0: Listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. This is Michelle, not that it's anybody else. And I do that stupid joke at the start of every single podcast, which I feel like now I need to make that joke that it's me and not anybody else because I've done it so many times. In any case, today is an exciting day for me because I'm going to be interviewing somebody really interesting who's going through a really interesting experience, which is a little bit different to what you have heard. We've heard from home bakers, we've heard from people who have cake studios, we've heard from people who make cookies and oh gosh, chocolate dipped apples and pretzels and all sorts of interesting things. And I have heard from cookiers in the past, which is exciting. But today I'm going to speak to somebody who's going through a really interesting process that I think some of you who are aiming for bigger things might find both super helpful and interesting and useful. So today on the podcast, I'm very excited to be interviewing Tracy Vasquez. She is from Sugar Bees, or you can find her at sugarbees.com. And of course, we will put all her details. And she is from a place called Wonder Lake, Illinois, which just quietly, I want to live in a place called Wonder Lake because I feel like. Fairies hang out there, but according to her, they don't. So she owns Sugar Bees, which is a cookie company that mostly does royal icing cookies. They're absolutely beautiful, so you should check them out. But among other things, she's also a mom to five grown up daughters. I cannot even imagine what the hormones in that house must have been like. But anyway, and she also works full time as a police dispatcher. So I suspect we haven't talked about this, but I suspect the cookies might have been a stress relief. And maybe now they become more stressful, but I don't know. And what we're going to be talking about today is the fact that she was approached last year by a national grocery chain to provide her cookies into the grocery stores in Illinois. And then that ended up expanding into both Illinois and Wisconsin. But in order to provide products to a supermarket, she had to get something called a GFSI, which is the Global Food Safety Initiative certification, something I've never heard of either. So this is going to be interesting. So Tracy didn't know what that was and ended up having to go and find out because the grocery chain was not surprisingly, not all that helpful. So she's making her way through that process of making her product available to a grocery chain. And I think that's really interesting. So I'm excited to chat to her about that, but also just about business in general, raising a whole bunch of beautiful daughters, working full time, et cetera. So we have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the show, Tracy.
2: Thank you, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here.
1: You have come a very long way,
2: I absolutely have, from being a, uh, you know, home baking for my kids to now on the verge of having a national brand. Yeah, a big, a very long way.
1: Incredible. So tell me a little bit about how you got here. Like, how did this all start? right? You have a full-time job. Well, now you have two full-time jobs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. I actually started, I'm from California originally, and that's where we lived at the time. And at the time, I mean, we were really poor. And we lived in a community that was very affluent. We were just very lucky to be able to rent a place that we could afford and gave our children the opportunity to go to some very good schools. But we were, you know, actually living below poverty level. And because we were in an affluent area, there were families that, you know, when their kids had birthday parties, the classroom got an all-out party. Well, I couldn't afford to do that. So I started baking cookies to send to school with the kids and, you know, personalizing them for each of the children in the class. And then after maybe a year or two of doing that for my daughters, some of the parents started asking me, well, can you do cookies for a baby shower? Can you do them for, you know, a bridal shower, a wedding, you know? And that's how it started. I started thinking, well, wait, if people are going to ask me to do this, maybe I can charge and earn some extra money. And that's how it started. And we moved to Illinois in 2004, and I just continued the business here. I set up a website, and yes, like a lot of home bakers, I was flying under the radar because there were no cottage food law at the time. There is now. I'm legit, and you know, business license and sanitation license and all of that. But that's basically how it started just, you know, trying to send something you know, fund a school with my kids, and then being asked by the parents if I would do the same for them, and business started.
1: And then it just kept going.
2: Exactly, and you know, the thing is, I've never spent money on advertisement. One, because, you know, I just didn't understand marketing, and I didn't want to spend money on something I didn't understand, so all of my business had come through word of mouth, and once I started my website, I, you know, studied how to do SEO. And literally, if you Google Chicago custom cookies, the first page of Google, and that's just because I was smart in the beginning when I set up my website and did my SEO correct. But that's all I've ever done. I've never advertised. It's all been people who found me through internet or word of mouth.
1: So when you moved from California to Illinois, I mean, you were starting at zero, right? The kids aren't little anymore. So you don't have that advantage of being able to provide stuff to the classroom. And was that like a, okay, now I'm moving to Illinois. I'm going to have to go about this differently. Like, was that a conscious choice to follow um, that website and SEO path? Or was that like, all right, I'm just going to give this a try.
2: <laughs> no, it was definitely a conscious choice because I knew at the time, you know, I was following enough Facebook groups and other cookiers to know that, Without good SEO, I was going to have to figure out how to get my name out there when I really didn't know anybody and that wasn't going to be possible because I didn't know anybody I had no idea literally no contacts no friends in the area so I set up for success for the business and it worked really well because even from the very beginning I started getting a lot of corporate orders and that's pretty much been the meat and potatoes of my business is corporate orders not so much personal orders like birthdays. I still do birthdays and wedding, you know, orders and things like that. But the bulk of my business comes from marketing companies and advertising companies. Those are usually the ones I do a lot of business with.
1: And this makes perfect sense to me because corporates, generally speaking, buy via Google, right? They start searching, you know, somebody's you know, EA or somebody's secretary or somebody in the marketing department or whatever is going to Google custom cookies, Chicago or custom cookie, Illinois or custom cookie, Wisconsin or whatever it is. They do occasionally shop by word of mouth, but very rarely they are. The corporate market is Google based. So or at least search based as opposed to word of mouth based. So that actually makes me really happy to think that you've like proven my point. I often say that people need a website and people disagree with me and say, all my work comes through Facebook and I have so many issues with that. But you're a really good example. You show up in this town, which admittedly is a small town in the North of Illinois. Mm -hmm. You don't know anyone. You don't have the connection of the kids in the kids' school. You don't have, presumably in the beginning you didn't necessarily have a job straight away. And so, okay, how am I going to do this? Well, you found a way to do this and it's working.
2: Exactly. And Even from the very beginning, even though I'm in Northern Illinois, when we first moved here, Chicago was about 40 minutes from us. Now it's a little over an hour. But when we first moved here, Chicago was a 40 minutes south of me. But that's where most of my business was coming from, was from Chicago. And that was on purpose because I did set up my SEO to say Custom Cookies Chicago Mm -hmm. because I knew that if I was going to make any money doing this, it was going to have to be from a bigger city rather than the smaller suburbs where I was at. And when you talk about having a website versus just a Facebook page, I have a Facebook page and I very, very rarely get any orders through there, maybe once or twice every six months. So literally very little business comes through there. The bulk of my business comes through Google or Instagram.
1: I did not know that you were going to spend this interview absolutely affirming everything I teach people, but I'm very grateful.
2: (laughs) Well, you're welcome.
1: Okay. So Tracy, you run this cookie business, you work full-time as a police dispatcher, and you raise five daughters.
2: Right. Tell me about that. We've been here, you know, quite a while. So when we first moved here, my children were all in school. Actually, not all of them because the youngest was still not in school. And they were young and... I actually, at that time, I was a working police dispatch as a medical transcriptionist from home so that I could, ha- you know, take care of my kids and make money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the problem with that was it's very different here in Illinois because of the weather. You know, your children are bused to school and as opposed to, I met a lot of my friends in California waiting to pick up my kids outside of the classroom. Well, you don't have that experience in Illinois because the kids all take buses to school because of the weather. And it took me a really long time to make any social relationships out here. So having a large family and a large group of girls, they were my social network. And, you know, I enjoyed it. And then I enjoyed being a mother and I still did cookies. Like I said, it was a stress reliever. It's a creative outlet and like a lot of cookier's I am terrible when it comes to procrastinating, but I just have learned to accept the fact that I do my best work under pressure as proven by my job as a dispatcher. We're under pressure, and that's when I do my best work under pressure. So I try to plan and make cookies sooner than the day before they're due but it always seems to be I'm pushing up that last moment to get them done.
1: <laughs> I love that honesty. Oh my god. But the best part of what you just said for me is I've accepted that that's how I do my best work. So you yeah, no longer fight the urge to be like I should be better and you know you no longer beat yourself up about it. It's like this is who I am, so I'm going to work towards that.
2: Yeah, and you know the fact is I've never had clients complain about, well, these look like you did them last minute. They (laughs) always are like, oh my God, these are so cute. So, you know, it's just how I am. I'm best under pressure. And I also tend to take on more orders than I probably should have. So I do tend to, it's not necessarily that I'm planning to do it last minute. It's just, there's so many of them that I'm working constantly on cookies and some of them just get pushed to the last minute. It is who you is, right? Yeah, busy is good. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about it. I was a police dispatcher in California, and I went back to police dispatching in 2010. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I also got divorced. So I was my only income. And I still did the cookies as extra income. And then, like you said, it did become kind of a stress relief, especially because in that job, we see a lot of heart-wrenching negative things. And you need to have something so in my job i love my job because i'm helping people and mm-hmm. that, as a nurturer and being very matronly i enjoy helping people and as a cookier i enjoy making people happy you hand somebody a cookie and they're not gonna be sad about it they're gonna smile and they're gonna be happy yeah. and so it's kind of like the yin to the yang for my job you know my job is hard and emotional And the cookies are the other side of that coin of the emotional part. It's the happy emotions, not the bad ones.
1: So we were talking about the fact that you start to learn, you reduce your stress by learning which customers to say no to and which customers to say yes to. And it sounds like you've learned that lesson really well.
2: Oh, yes. Because there are those usually in the back and forth about, quote, that's usually where I can tell right away if this is going to be a person I don't want to work with, because they start asking questions that nobody else asks. They ask things like, can you get a different colored ribbon for me? How big are these going to be? How just, you know, really peculiar ways of asking common question. You just get a feel for those, I don't know, bridezillas or clientzillas.
0: Or just and challenging so, people,
2: really. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I'm challenged enough at work. I don't need to be challenged with my cookies as well. So I do say no when I can tell it's somebody I'm not going to enjoy working with.
1: Yeah, which is amazing. I think that's a skill you learn over time. And in the beginning, you know, when we're desperate for work and desperate for orders, we just say yes to everything. But we soon learn exactly. that that is a bad idea.
2: So that want- along with dropping prices, if somebody says that price is too high, Never again will I say, oh, well, I can do it a little less for you or I can do it, what's your price? I'll do it for that. No, my price is my price. You don't like it, move along.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I really wanna hear about is this supermarket thing because I have to tell you, I think you are the only person who I've ever heard from who has talked, I've never heard of this process. And so I'm really curious. Can you tell me like, how did the supermarket approach you? Like how did this all come to be?
2: Well, I got an email And it said, you know, that they had found me on Google, and that they had visited my website. And one of them had received one of my cookies at a marketing event they had gone to, and wanted to know if I would be interested in providing cookies to them for wholesale. And at first, I was like, you know, this is a very large, well-known brand. And I was like, somebody is playing around with me here. I wasn't sure that it was really real. So I called and I did get their front desk. So I knew it was legitimate. So I asked her, you know, what are you looking for? And that's what we did is we got into, you know, the talk about what they were looking for and how I might be able to help and why they were looking for, you know, why they approached me. And they did have a current vendor and they invited me to come to one of the stores and look how the current vendor you know, what they were being provided. And I even gave them tips on what would help, you know, because what they were doing is they had the cookies in a cold case with cakes and then royal icing would run. Well, because they're taking them, they're sucking up the moisture. From sure. the cake.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I told them, you know, they don't need to be refrigerated. You need to get them away from the cakes, you know, put a divider in there or put them up on top of the counter in bags. But So I didn't give them the opportunity to just stay with their current vendor, but they were very interested. And so then they had me speak to their food safety department. And that's where all of this certification came in. And they helped to a certain level. But once it got to the global food safety initiative, that's where they, I don't know if it's they're not willing, or they're just not able to help at that point. So I went through, first I had to get, I rent a commercial kitchen from, you know, a shared kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I had to have the state come in and certify that as food safe. I had to go through the process of creating what's called a HACCP plan. Mm -hmm. And...
1: Oh my God, HACCP plans are like miles of paperwork. It's just paperwork. And thing. it's to protect the consumer, but I helped the business go through that process a couple of years back. And like, by the end of it, your head, like the forms don't even make sense. Like you read no. something like six times and you're like, is this even in English? What does this say? That,
2: that is exactly what I was feeling because one of my oldest daughter actually went to culinary school and, you know, I was talking to her about it and she was like, oh mom, it can't be that hard. So I handed over some of the paperwork to her and she was like, oh my goodness. She said, I feel stupid. And I said, that's exactly it. They make you feel like you don't even understand English. Mm-hmm. I feel like they dropped me in the middle of some, you know, fairy tale land where nobody speaks my language, although they're moving their mouths and it sounds like <laughs> English. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's so and, true. <laughs> that paperwork and- is insane. And so if HACCP is like that, GFSI is 10 times more than that. And I finally hired a technical writer who that's his job. He does this for corporations. Mm -hmm. And I literally told him, listen, right now I'm a two man operation. And in order to be, to get this contract, I have to have this certification. So he's helped a lot. And anybody who is even thinking about getting those several levels of this, you know, certification, one of them is SQF, one of them is BRC. It depends on your product. And, you know, bakery is SQF. And so SQF, there's so many little things that you have to look at. I mean, everything under a microscope. It's basically like writing a how-to for somebody who has never even looked at a cookie before. You're going to write down your recipe you're gonna write down the process of how you make your cookies, and I don't mean just the process, literally. You're gonna say take, you know, the one cup scoop and scoops of it into a bowl on the scale and make sure it reads this many ounces or this many pounds. It's literally like they make you feel like you're talking to a two year old and you're trying to get a two year old to bake. So it breaks down every <laughs> single two-year-old process.
1: Getting a two year old to bake
2: easier. It, I think it would be because you have to document everything, like even down to your spoons and spatulas. Everything has to be documented. You have to talk about things that may never happen, like what if a meteorite fell in the middle of your kitchen tomorrow? How would you handle that? And I'm not joking. You have to have answers to that because they may ask you, you know, I live in Illinois. We have tornadoes and we have flooding. So they'll ask you things like that. You know, if a tornado ripped through your kitchen, what would you do? And those are things you don't really think about, but now you have to, and you have to have a written plan and you have to have employee books and training books and procedures and policies. And oh my goodness, this process definitely weeds out the people who are serious about You know, growing their business and the ones who just want to stay at a certain level. Because there have been several times where I thought, well, you know, maybe just being a little baker will be fine. (laughs) Maybe we'll still be okay. But I'm already so far into the process that I just can't give up. I'm committed. I'm going for it until it's done.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's a really good question. Let's go on the assumption you're going to get all the certification.
2: Are they waiting Mm -hmm. for you? I do check in with them every once in a while because they do have a current vendor. So it's not like they need to find anybody else. They just preferred the quality of my product over the quality of the product they're receiving now. So yeah, they're waiting and I'm sure, you know, they do want to know that I am still working at it and I do send them updates to let them know where I am in the process. Okay. Usually about uh, once a month I let them know how it's going just so they don't forget me. I do send them cookies as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good thinking, Tracy. Good thinking. Okay. So, oh, this. so you're going through this process. It's been, how long has it been now? About a year?
2: Is that right? Just about a year. Next month will be a year. Next month will be a year. And
1: so when this goes through and you start getting this order, like, is this going to just completely change your life? Like, are you going to have to quit police dispatching? Because here's the thing, right? People ask me about wholesaling fairly often. And the answer Mm -hmm. I usually give is if you make a custom product, it's not worth it because the amount you have to, charge compared to what they then want to put their overhead on top like for most people it's not worth it but then to be honest for most people when they ask me this question they're talking about wholesaling to a single cafe or something i mean you're obviously talking about a big scale there's a big difference there right
2: right but
1: surely Um, there is a difference in your life in terms of doing custom orders the way you do them now versus providing product to a grocery chain across two states
2: well what i do plan on doing because we have already worked out the pricing That's already said and done. The only thing that is yet to be completed is this certification. And I will continue to work part-time on an as-needed basis just because that really is like a calling for me. I think I would miss it way too much. And by on-call, I'd probably work one shift or two shifts a month. And I would actually set up that part of the business as a production business. You know, I already have somebody who's going to be the production manager So basically I'm going to set that up to be able to run on its own without me having to babysit it all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to continue to grow my custom. The custom part will continue to be mine and I'll continue to grow that part and I'll take care of that. And then there will be somebody who will run, you know, the day-to-day of the production part.
1: Yeah. Now I'm not sure if you're allowed to share this with me or not, but how many cookies are we
2: talking about? Well, to start, for the first six months, it'll be 3,000 cookies a week. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. That's a exactly. lot
1: of cookies, my friend.
2: Oh, I know. And, but we've already done, I mean, I already know how many people it'll take. I'm already set for that part of it. It's Can you do this in a shared kitchen? Well, we will start out in the shared kitchen, mm-hmm. but we will be moving to our own kitchen very shortly after. Right. So... Yeah, we do, as a matter of fact, I don't know if I can say this part of it, but the shared kitchen, I'm going to purchase the shared kitchen we're in, and uh, it will okay. no longer be a shared kitchen. Right. So, yeah, it'll be our own kitchen, and it'll definitely probably be a two-shift operation. And, you know, it's going to be different from what I do now, but I'll still be able to do what I do now. It's just, I'll get paid for being the name behind that production business.
1: And So this is like, I got chills just then. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. So how far are you from this certification and what steps are left?
2: Right now, there's three parts to the certification. There is where you have a pre-assessment, which my pre-assessment was done. Then there's what's called the desk audit, where they look at all your paperwork and tell you if you've got it or you don't. Well, I didn't. So I had my desk audit and there were 73 points that you have to document 73 either procedures or processes or pretty much their procedures or processes, 73 of them that they require. Well, I had 33 of them. So that meant 50 of them that are not correct. So that's what we're doing is we're rewriting in some cases, writing for the first time, the policies, procedure, or process for the other 50 parts. And as of now, I have out of that 50, I have 24 that have been approved. So I still have 26 that need to be approved. And I figure within the next two weeks, all of that will be done. And then after all of those have been approved, I'll get another audit date. And that'll be the certification audit. And once that's done.
1: Within distance here, like this is close. Yes, this is very
2: close. And that's why, you know, there have been times where I've been like, that's it, I'm not doing this anymore. And then I start thinking, okay, you know, just keep going, you know, make any little progress you can. And like I said, I started out with 50, they call them corrective action. I started out with 50 corrective actions, and I just started tackling them one at a time. And then when things got to be to the point where I didn't understand what they were asking me to do, that's when I hired the technical writer. Hmm. And we should call him a translator. Been, actually, Let's call him a translator. Is, <laughs> yes, because he has, you know, the things that made me feel stupid. I'll ask him, I don't understand, and he treats me with the utmost care and respect. And he explains it. He doesn't treat me because, like, the auditors would come in, and I would tell them, I, I even in the pre-assessment to help you understand. Well, the auditor that came for the pre-assessment. I don't think he wanted to be bothered with questions. He basically just read the whole pamphlet to me line for line and then left. That oh, was God. it. Not helpful. So, not at all. So this person that's helping me now has been literally a godsend. He is literally a translator. He has been able to make me understand what I couldn't understand before. And that's what has motivated me to keep going is because I've learned so much that I didn't know before. And it's been empowering. You know, it, like I said, when I started this whole cookie process, you know, in, oh, let's say that must have been like 95, 96 is when I first started baking. Like I said, I was living below poverty. And now I am definitely not living below poverty. I'm doing very well. My cookie business has grown, you know, as a matter of fact, last year was the biggest growth I had ever seen to the point that if I wanted to quit my police job, I literally could and support myself by like cookie business as it is right now. But the only reason I don't is I don't have benefits. You know, my job provides benefits and my job also provides, you know, the ability to help people. I feel like I'm doing good. And mm-hmm. so I keep it for that reason as well. But, you know, I feel like I've grown so much in this process that it really has been empowering. I feel, you know, literally where I felt stupid before I feel educated. And that's where I want to help other women or other cookiers or cakers or whoever's trying to go through this process. Please let me help because you cannot get through this process alone. There's just no way, none at all.
1: So Tracy, I have to imagine that there has also been, in addition to an investment of time, right? There's a lot of time to do all this. Mm -hmm. This There has to have been, and obviously you hired the translator, (laughs) but there has to have been a fair investment of money as well, because this is not a cheap process.
2: It is not. The certification itself, just that process has cost me about $11,000 so far. And then $5,000 just for the translator. And that price is probably going to go up because we had to do more work than we anticipated. So I'll end up spending probably $20,000 just to get this certification.
1: Right. But I'm assuming that you are seeing this as an investment.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, that's why I strongly, you know, encourage anybody who, no matter where you are in your process of, doing what you do, whether you're just learning or you've been doing it for years, always invest in learning more or doing more because it really is an investment. And, you know, it'll be a tax right off, you know, some of it, but even if it wasn't, I'd still do it just because I've learned so much and it's done so much for my self-esteem and my confidence. Mm-hmm. It really is an investment in myself as well as in my business.
1: For sure. And I think that's an interesting point. Like a lot of people say to me, like, I don't want to waste money on marketing. I don't want to waste money on whatever. And I just think even if you try something and it doesn't work out the way you intended, it's not a waste. There's still a lesson to be learned. It's an investment sometimes in knowing what doesn't work, which might sound a little bit counterintuitive, but sometimes we try stuff, it doesn't work. That was a lesson too. You know, and that's true, even if you go all the way down to the decorating and baking and making level, you know, sometimes you try a technique, it doesn't work. That wasn't a waste of your time. You just learned that it doesn't work for you,
2: you know? Exactly. And, you know, the whole process of moving forward is, you know, jumping those hurdles makes you stronger because you went over those hurdles. You learned from those, you know, mistakes or setbacks or whatever you want to call them. But it, again, you know, I didn't do marketing because I didn't understand, you know, what it was asking me to do. So I did invest in marketing classes, you know, through Skillshare, and I love, love learning. So I've taken lots of marketing classes. As a matter of fact, I'm even certified as a copywriter now. But, you know, do I really want more business at this point? Not really. No, no, <laughs> I don't think I but squeeze it, any more in. It, yeah.
1: So, what do your I, girls have to say about this?
2: Are they involved? They're very proud of me. And they used to be not so much anymore because now they are adults and they've moved on to their own passions and their own lives. Two of my daughters are married and children of their own, so you know they've moved on onto what they want to do. But now, what's kind of interesting is I'm an empty nester. And I find this still is just as enjoyable as it was when I was doing it for my kids. It's like nourishing to my soul. And I'm going to continue to do it even if I don't get paid for it, which used to drive my oldest daughter nuts. I used to do cookies (laughs) and give them away. And she'd be like, Mom, why are you giving them away? We charge for that. Or because I like doing it. Now we have extras. And what am I going to do with them? You could sell them. No, I'm giving them away. I do it all the time still do <laughs> all
1: right tracy i mean you know, we all know how i feel about working for free so maybe
2: i, I will stay away
1: <laughs> from that topic but i do understand that sometimes we do something because it fulfills us on a soul level and that's right everybody has their own thing and they do it that way so right. you're pretty close you're probably a couple months off from getting this certification right. yeah. and now that you have almost a year of going through this process to look back on what do you think was the hard part I mean, it's all hard, right? Like, is keeping the faith the challenging
2: part? I think that really is the hardest part, is just believing that I'll get there. Keeping the faith, definitely. There were times where I thought, you know, this isn't going to happen. I don't know why I started. And then I'd start talking to myself, you know, if I give up, then I know I'm not going to get it. But literally, there's no way to fail this certification. I will get it it's just a matter of how long and how much I'm going to spend in the process to get it because they will, you know, if I fail the first time, there's the next time. And each time I've gone through the process of, you know, having an audit, I've learned something that I didn't know before, which has helped me to be better. It actually has helped my cookie business even because they have you look at every little process you do. And I started finding areas where, I was wasting effort, and so I streamlined a lot of my process, and I can tell you, I can knock out a crap ton of cookies that before, you know, if somebody would have said, oh, can you get me 300 cookies in two days? I would have said, heck no, I can now, but I'm going to charge you for it, because I'm going to have to rush, but yeah, I can do it, where I couldn't before, you know, it would have been 60 cookies in two days probably would have been my limit. Now, I literally... I know I can because I just did 300 cookies in two days. So, and that's from start to finish. Yeah. Unbelievable. Start to finish.
1: You have become a machine woman.
2: <laughs> literally, because, you know, once you learn how to do better, you become faster. And, you know, I literally will sometimes challenge myself with my stopwatch on my iPhone. I'll put it on and see how fast I can you know, ice cookies. And then on the next pan, I'll try to beat it. So it works. I
1: officially love you for that.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) You had mentioned that and that's what started it. I was (laughs) like, I could do this. I'll just get faster. Do it (laughs) quicker. Yeah.
1: My big like battle cry is that everyone in this industry that I know, except possibly for you now, (laughs) (laughs) Tracy, works (laughs) way too slowly. And yeah. we all work way too slowly on the stuff we don't need to. You know, my thing is I'd rather spend time doing the fun stuff. So why am I so slow on the boring stuff? You know, and I say to people, right. you got to stop watching exactly that. Time yourself. Try to get better, especially on the repetitive, boring tasks. You know, mixing, yeah. and baking, and cutting cookies, not that exciting. Decorating yeah. cookies is way more fun. So I'm like, all right, you want to spend more time decorating? Spend less time mixing and cutting. Yeah. So I tell people that all the time. You want to have fun and you want to have time to take photos of your work and have time to talk to your clients and have time to hang out with the kids or whatever it is you want to do. You need to get faster on the boring stuff. The production stuff can almost always be more efficient. But so many of us do things the same way we did them from the beginning. And that's the great gift this process has given you, I think, is the opportunity to examine those processes and go, how can I be better? How can I be faster? How can I get to the stuff I really love doing? You know?
2: Exactly. And you begin to learn that, you know, if the pricing part is what really got me looking at my process and my times because they were set on their price. And while it was a price that I could easily still make money from, if I was able to work faster, I'm literally making more money because I'm doing it quicker. I'm spending less time. I'm, you know, I'm making more money. So that was really the motivator behind doing it faster. And literally between my job and cookies, it used to be that I never had time to socialize. I never had time. I was either working, sleeping or cooking. And now I work, I sleep, I do cookies and I spend time with friends and family every single you know, weep, I find time for not just the cookies or the job, but friends and family. And that's because of this process. I've learned to cut out, you know, streamline, I guess is more the word. I've streamlined all my processes to get faster.
1: I want to ask you a personal question, Tracy, if you're comfortable answering, you don't have to.
2: How old are you? I'm 54. Just turned 54.
1: Oh, happy belated birthday here's why I'm asking you. you I'm asking you because the number of people who would give me the excuse of I'm too old is mm-hmm. like I hear that a lot and here I am looking at you going like in my head I'm like she's got adult kids it's gotta be she's 40 somewhere late 40 something right five adult kids and full-time mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. in my head I'm like this means like you are starting a whole new career basically now
2: yes exactly Like, which is amazing. And
1: anyone listening to this who has ever given me that ridiculous excuse of I'm too old and it's all too hard, can you just keep playing this interview on repeat, please? Because (laughs) nothing frustrates me more than people who all I hear that so much. I'm too old. I'm like, what
2: is old? It's It's an excuse because, you know, honestly, the calendar tells me I'm 54, but my brain and, you know, my energy doesn't tell me I'm 54. My mother, I come from a long life, you know, there's longevity in my family. My mother didn't retire from nursing. She was a labor and delivery room nurse. She didn't retire until she was 72. And she worked the graveyard shift like I worked the graveyard shift. And, you know, I could see doing this for another, you know, 20 years. I don't see why not. My mother did. And the only reason my mother retired was because my grandmother was ill and my mom wanted to spend the last of her time with her mother. So she probably would have still worked if she could have, you know, if it wouldn't have come down to my grandmother being ill. So so age is an excuse.
1: It is an excuse and often yeah. not a terribly good one because, you know, I think actually that excuse doesn't come from within. I think that's a societal thing. Like, I don't think they believe they're too old. I think society or other people have told them you're too old,
2: right? right? which is just and, ridiculous. And that, that may be too, but I think also it's partly, you know, a fear of failure or a fear of somebody may have told them they're too old and they believe it or they're not sure whether they should believe it. Because I was there too, where, you know, how many times have you had your children say, but mom, you're too old for that? Well, my kids were the ones that were like, mom, are you sure? You're kind of old. <laughs> I'm, I'm not old. yeah come on girlies
1: come on that's not yeah really so okay let's think you have to have thought about this it's a year from now Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and you are certified and you are pumping out 12,000 cookies a month just that number (laughs) makes me just go like what the all right so it's a year from now you're pumping out 12,000 cookies a month you own the kitchen it is all going right that's going to be your life a year from now it will be So what next? Um, I can't imagine you sit around for very long.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know that I need anything else after that. You know, I'm I think my goal has always been to have a cookie business and I've reached that goal. I will have reached that goal and I still have my custom business, which always challenges me because I also make, you know, I have a three D printer. And so when somebody comes to me and says, you know, I want this cookie, I don't just tell them, okay, I'm going to put that on a round cookie. Anybody can bake a round cookie. Anybody can bake a square cookie. I want to bake a cookie that complements their logo. So I make most of my cutters custom for every order. So I think, you know, I'll just continue doing that as well, because it's challenging and it, it keeps my mind going. Oh, I think definitely one thing that will be changed is I will attend every cookie conference and cake <laughs> show I can go to <laughs> because I haven't been able to afford all of them and I will by then. So I'm going to go to all of them and just suck up everything I can learn.
1: Radio cookie con, Tracy's coming for you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty amazing. But so no plans to like, okay, I've got Illinois, Wisconsin. Now I want to get, I don't know, Kansas or something. Like, do you want to oh, expand
2: if that into- offer, Yeah. But will you go seeking it? I don't think I'll seek it because, you know, I am really not a glutton for punishment. Mm -hmm. I'm always up for a challenge, but I'm never out for seeking a challenge. I will take the challenges as they come. I don't like to seek them out.
1: Right. Okay. Fair call.
2: Yeah. So if they offer it to me, heck yeah, I'll take it. If they don't, I'll be just as happy.
1: Right. Okay. And I think the cool part is that you're going to retain the custom work as well to kind of keep your creativity alive and, you know, keep that personal touch. So I think that's actually a really beautiful thing to be able to have planned to be able to do that, I think is really admirable. So that, you know, that's pretty amazing to me. Wow. Tracy, I just feel like you are like, we're having this conversation, like on the brink of this all finally coming together, which to me is amazing that like so close, you're like right there, it's all gonna
2: happen. So, so close, I can smell it. Right? You can
1: totally smell that vanilla, man. I just think it's amazing. But in the interim, I think we also need to acknowledge that in the interim, you've kept the business going this whole time. It's just that, you know, so really you had to juggle being a parent, working full time, working in the cookie business, and then this process of getting this global certification. Like this is four things going on at once, right? The kids, the certification, the cookie business, and the job.
2: It's a lot happening. It is, and I've been very fortunate. What I do is I take my computer with me to work, because in the work that I do, we're not constantly busy. So any free opportunity I have, I'm, you know, looking at my documents and seeing what I need to get done and what I can do on my computer. So that's given me the opportunity to work on that while I'm at work.
1: Yeah, you're making it work. So what would you say if you were to look back at this whole process, right, from making the cookies for the kids? at school all the way to kind of now, what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned in all that?
2: Because that's been a long road, right? it, It has been a really long road. I think the biggest surprise is I've learned that all of those people that we admire on social media, they really were never overnight successes. They were working long before we knew who they were. Just like people will learn who I am and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so good. You know, It didn't happen overnight. And I used to look at other cookers and think, wow, I wish I could be that good, not knowing that they'd been, you know, practicing years longer than I had. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things I've learned to be nicer to myself and just to accept where I am in the process of, you know, whether it's cookies or learning or whatever, it doesn't happen overnight. And that was the biggest thing that I've learned in this journey. You know, you got to be kind and just keep practicing.
1: Wise words, I think. And if somebody was going to, let's say that as a result of this podcast, which I think is probably going to happen. So Tracy is incredibly Mm -hmm. generous with her knowledge, and she really is happy to help anybody who has a question about this. But let's say that somebody reaches out to you and says, Hey, Tracy, I just got approached by my local, whatever supermarket, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm about to embark on this process. What words of wisdom do you, other than telling them how to actually understand the paperwork and to hire a translator from day one, what advice do you give somebody who is about to head down the road of this global certification process?
2: Just to check themselves. Are they really committed to the work it's going to take to get from where they are to where they need to be? Because it is an uphill battle. It's like, you know, no battle I've ever fought just to I feel it's like being in the middle of the ocean you've got to keep paddling to keep your head above water and you constantly feel like somebody's trying to pull you under and that's kind of how this process has been I've had to swim very hard to keep my head above water and swim even harder to move forward but I'm finding that because of all that swimming I've become stronger and I'm learning and I'm doing it you have to be committed you have to Find out what are they going to ask of you and are you ready to give that to them? Because not every grocery store is going to ask for this level of certification. Some of them will just be happy with what's called the GMP, which is much easier to get than this certification. So you just, that would be my biggest, you know, advice to anybody in this being approached by any chain or grocery store at all. What certification do you want first?
1: Right. And Tracy, presumably though, now that you're going to have this level, that means that the opportunities for growth, you might not chase them, but they're there, right? Because you can do things like supply stuff to airlines, right? Exactly. Supply stuff to just general food service. Like you, It's painful that you had to go this whole long road, but at the same time, going this road opens the door to other opportunities if you
2: wanted them. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that kept me going, because even if this grocery chain in the long run decides, you know, we can't wait anymore. We're sorry. That's fine. I'll have this certification and I can, and it opens all the doors because it's global certification. I can go to any country and seek out a wholesale, you know, contract with anybody. Mm. So yeah. I feel
1: like someday I am actually going to be on an airplane and I'm going to be like, wow, this cookie is really good. Who made this? By the way, I do that all the time. And not this year, but I've been flying quite a lot in the last couple of years. And like, if I get a snack that I really like, I usually actually take a photo of the back of the packet and I almost always go and chase them later. I mean, I am food obsessed. I do too.
2: I'm always like, oh, what's I this company
1: a- about? You know?
2: <laughs> I, that's how I came across, what are those? Oh gosh. I cannot think of the name. It's a German cookie. Oh, I cannot think of the name of it right now, but that's how I came across those cookies is I was given one on an airline and I hunted those things down. Are and they and the ones that are like a-
1: waffles with caramel in the middle? yeah okay so that's not german um, that's dutch they're called stroopwafels. oh there
2: you go yes there you go it's dutch well yeah. the reason i thought it was german is because i could only find it in a german store here
1: yeah because they do so. eat them in germany and belgium but they are actually a dutch invention right. and they are very very dutch they're called stroopwafels
2: yeah ah, see learn something new. and you
1: probably would have eaten those i think they serve them on are uh, they United or Southwest? Like there's one airline that started serving United. Them. United. It was United. And then yeah. they've become really, really popular. And I think last month there was a Stroopwafel McFlurry at McDonald's. And like they've become, oh, very, my- become very in vogue, which excites me yeah. no end. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. really And you put them on top of a cup of coffee or tea or whatever, and they melt a little bit, and they're like very delicious. Yes,
2: exactly (laughs) what I did. I dropped it in my coffee. Yeah. And I was just in hog heaven. My two Uh, favorite things. Yeah. Yep.
1: So, yeah, my personal connection to that is that my partner is Dutch, and so I eat a lot. and i know and i can pronounce i'm like well that's not dutch i know for sure i mean that's not german i know for
2: sure that's right there we go there you go you taught me something there you go again again you are just unbelievably
1: inspirational when we publish this episode of the podcast for anybody listening i'll put all of tracy's contact details on the accompanying blog post or show notes is what they're officially called so that you can reach her to ask her questions you've got about this process or just to reach out and tell her that you think she is as amazing as I think. And I have to say, by the way, I invited Tracy to be on this podcast, not actually knowing about 90% of the stuff she told you today. So I knew her business (laughs) existed. I knew she was going through this process and that was about it. So this has been a voyage of discovery, not only for you guys as listeners, but for me, as a host as well. And it's been amazing. I feel like I'm just like very honored to be at the cusp of like greatness here. I feel like if we wait six months, suddenly this is going to be just huge. And actually, I'm hoping that we can redo this interview in like a year.
2: Sure, I would love that.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be really cool to do a where are we now? Like, what happened from the last time I spoke to you? Because a year from now, you know, you are going to be pumping out a hell of a lot of cookies, which is amazing. And I'd love to hear, yeah, how you got through the end of that process and then how you're settling in. So I'm inviting you to come back in like a year. I think that'd be really cool. Absolutely. I'd love to. I mean, Um, I don't know if you're going to have time for little old me, to be honest.
2: Oh, please. I was just about to say... I look at you as literally the Oprah Winfrey of the baking business because everything you do has been to help others learn and grow and be better at what they do, which, you know, Oprah has done very well too. And she also is very interested in everybody's story. And I have loved listening to your podcast because, you know, there's names of products, you know, the people behind the products that I use and hearing their stories has always been amazing because you had no idea you know how they started or how they got to where they are and now I'm using their product it's fun it's I love it
1: all right who do you want to hear from who should I go and chase
2: Ooh, you know what somebody that would be wonderful to listen to is Angela the painted cookie or the painted box oh yeah she has a very unique brand and a wonderful story. Okay.
1: All right. I will go and find out more. So something absolutely hilarious, but firstly, thank you for the beautiful compliment and feedback. Hilariously, literally yesterday I spoke to one of my students in Texas and when the phone call started, she said, I feel like I'm talking to the Oprah of business. (laughs) And I was like, That's hilarious. And then I actually told my partner about that. And he's like, Oh my God, that's really funny. I'm like, yeah, that is funny. And then now I said it again. Right. And then really bizarrely, I got this phone call from my kid's teacher, like about half an hour before our conversation. And Mm -hmm. she called me the Oprah of parenting. And I'm like, what the heck man like, this expression is just like and so when you said it just then i'm like okay right what is the universe trying to tell me here like oprah i love you really? you're amazing and i'm very honored to be compared to you so i you think go. oprah
2: needs to reach out to you and have you on her soul sunday yes oh my god i love that podcast oprah's super soul Me sunday.
1: too. you know what i actually love about it i love the fact that it's just a conversation like she's not interviewing them it's just always feel I mean she is but it always feels like just two people having a beautiful conversation about life you know right, so right. I really enjoy that so hey Oprah if you are listening I'm happy to come and hang out with you in Santa Barbara and hang out under your trees and like <laughs> get a really cool chair and just have a good chat about life but it's certainly exactly. true. I try to adopt that to the podcast as well that when I interview anybody you know it's a conversation let's just see what happens when we start talking and what amazing and I don't script these I don't have you know I sometimes write down some bullet points just so I don't forget what I want to ask but most of the time I ditch those within about five seconds of starting the conversation (laughs) and because you uncover such amazing things and you've had such amazing to share with us Tracy like I'm very excited to do this interview again (laughs) thank you so we're gonna have to do this again I wish you absolutely the best of luck. Not that I feel like you need luck, but the best of luck in getting the rest of the certification done and rolling a whole lot of cookies out the door. And someday, absolutely. next time I'm in an, in Illinois, which is not that far from difficult because I have plenty of friends in that area. I'm just going to have to like roll up and be like, Hey, I heard you guys yeah. are pretty good around absolutely. here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely. Amazing. If you come to
2: Illinois, let me know. Cause, I would love to have the opportunity to meet you in person.
1: Yeah, it'd be so cool. I would totally stand there and cry. So I have actually done this. I've interviewed (laughs) a couple of people where they told me about their big business dreams, whatever they were, and then I just got to see it in real life. And I have done a lot of crying in a lot of kitchens. (laughs) Because it's such an honor to be part of someone's story, right? And to have heard that they wanted to build something and then they went and built it. Like, it's just a beautiful thing. So, yeah.
2: And, you know, literally... The things that I learned taking your courses really did set me up to be able to even know what direction to head when I was approached by this grocery store, because otherwise I probably would have been a lot more lost, not even knowing which direction or, you know, I would have been overwhelmed from the get-go. So I have you to thank because your classes really did teach me tons that I didn't know before.
1: promise i did not invite tracy on this podcast to say any of that and i'm very (laughs) grateful i'm very grateful you did say it thank you but i promise it literally was not that we just literally had a conversation on facebook mission i was like hey can you tell people about that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much, Tracy. I really appreciate the support. In fact, that actually leads me to the fact that just recently, as a result of conversations like this one, I have put all my classes available online. Now, they weren't—they have not been for about two and a half years now. But I reopened the doors to a whole lot of classes. You can find out all about that on the blog if you go to thebizofbaking.com and click Classes at the top. You'll see there's lots of opportunities there to learn about lots of things not only for myself, but from other people. So, wow. This has just been an amazing conversation and I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast to chat to me. And I really just, I cannot wait to hear that this process actually finally got to the end. And I feel like you probably have a special shelf just for paperwork.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I have special color-coded books for the paperwork (laughs) oh
1: god (laughs) okay right That's a whole nother story how does tracy organize exactly
2: work right
1: thank you so much for being a guest today and yeah we look forward to following your story and see what happens next
2: michelle thank you very much for inviting me to be on your show i'm very honored and i'm glad we had the opportunity
1: Oh my God. Me too. All right, guys, go be awesome. Do amazing things. Take big chances. Age is no barrier. Seriously. Neither is motherhood. Like there's literally no barrier to success other than the energy that lives between your ears. It's all mental, really. It really is. Most things are solvable. You Just got to be willing to put in the effort and keep going, really. Keep filling out the pieces of paper in Tracy's case, but just kind of keep on going. Have an amazing week and don't just be in the business of baking. Be in the business of being awesome. Have a good one, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.